time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 76 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Morning Joe. It's Morning Joe. It must be slow again. This is Morning Joe. (laughs) So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. Let's do it. Here we are in May. Yes. Can we get some warm weather, please? I think it's warm. How have things been? Busy. No, we had a few days off last week. How was it? It was great. What did you do? Well, because you were not around, I got to go take two fiber arts classes at Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival. Nice. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was great. I did a different type of knitting. That was really fun. And then Michelle and I took an English embroidery class, and that was fantastic. Awesome. That sounds like fun. And I spent a lot of money on plants, like cotton plants. (laughs) You do like the cotton plants. I do. Did they have apple trees? (laughs) No, it's a good thing they didn't. There's a seller there who sells a lot of dye plants. Oh, okay. And they sell a lot of cotton. And cotton is one of the most beautiful plants I've ever seen. It is really pretty. The flowers are gorgeous. So, yeah. How was your time off? I was sipping some margaritas in Mexico. I know. It was fun. So most years we go on a trip with my husband's work and we go to Mexico for three or four nights. It's a lot of good times. We've been going for a long time and I've made some really lasting friendships with all the people that I meet, all the wives. We've become friends over the years. Sounds great. Mexico is always fun. I'm with a great group of people. They've been friends for, he's been with the company like 26, 27 years. Mm -hmm. So they're like family at this point. So that was fun. But now we're home and ready to get back to work. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, we're still working when we're over there. I'm still on social media. I'm still doing everything. We just have recorded everything ahead of time. So we can. That's the glory of recording beforehand. Exactly. It was a whole bunch of work in order to have a couple days off. In order to have four days off. And that's okay. That's okay. We deserve it. It was super fun to be back at Sheep and Wool again because it's been virtual for the last two years. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was great. I'm going to give a special thanks to my parents for coming over and staying with their girls while we went. And a special thanks to the girls for keeping the fort down and taking control of things here with all the animals while we're away. Awesome. Okay, let me just take a minute to ask everyone a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. The other thing that really, really helps is hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can also share your favorite episodes on social media. Tell your friends if you like the show. You can head over to our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts that we have on offer. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. We've added another happy hour for our international patrons. So if you've been on the fence about it, there you go. The other thing you can do to help the podcast is go to our show notes, use our affiliate links, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. You can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, 
Grublies has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens or ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chicken? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the April Box, I absolutely love the big pack of greens and fodder seeds and the sparkly chicken earrings. Those bath bombs smell so good. And that wind chime is going to look so cute out in my run. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's about that time. La da 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 at first, I thought you were going to hit like a tango or something. Kind of. I don't know where it's going to take me Bop when I start. But it's all over the place. So this week's breed is the Arcana. Yes, this is what we've been kind of pushing back a little bit and pushing back a yeah. little bit. And we're like, it's about that time we bring out the Arcana. Well, they're really interesting. This is probably going to be a slightly longer than usual breed spotlight because first, they're the only breed of chicken native to South America. Yeah. And they've got all this tons of interesting history. So we planned this on an episode where we didn't have an interview, so it fits a bit better. You guys so. just have us today. That's right. So the big debate about a lot of animals in the New World is whether or not they were present before European colonialism. Right. So for a while, it was believed that the Arcana was brought to South America by Polynesian wayfinders. I thought you were going to say the Romans here. No, not Yet this again. time. No, no. <laughs> so if you've seen Moana, right? Moana has Hey Hey the Rooster. Yeah. Well, there's actually some cultural history to that. Oh, yeah. So for a while, historians thought that the Polynesian wayfinders brought chickens to South America, but there was a study in 2007 that said they did radiocarbon dating on some chicken bones. Okay. And that the DNA was consistent with DNA that was found in Polynesia. But over and over, this study has been challenged. So a lot of experts say that the radiocarbon dating was done incorrectly and that there is no real DNA link between the Polynesian and the Arakana chickens. So we don't know whether or not Polynesians brought them or not. Uh, I mean, the data right now says that they did not. So it goes back to the Romans. <laughs> the Arakana is believed to have been developed in the Arcania region of Chile. And it was supposed to come from two older breeds. Okay. There were some early visitors from Europe who did see the birds, like as early as the 1500s. Okay. But they didn't think that it was a chicken. And I get that. Yeah. If when you, you see pictures of right. this chicken, you're kind of like, hey. Yeah, it doesn't really look like a chicken. But by the 20th century, there were avian experts who traveled to South America, and they checked that these were definitely chickens. And they noted that they were often found with the indigenous Mapuche people. Right. A little bit about the Mapuche. They have inhabited Chile and parts of Argentina since at least five to 600 BC. Long, long, long time. time. They are currently the largest ethnic minority in Chile. They make up about 10% of the total population. And in their native language, Mapuche means people of the earth. Very They've been long, there a long time. They have, you're people of the earth if you're there BC. I would say so. 
They have a very long history of farming, keeping chickens, llamas, and alpacas. Later on, they added sheep and cattle. They were known for their herbal work, spinning and weaving textiles, and silversmithing. This is where these chickens came from. So about the chickens themselves. The Arcana has some distinct identifying features. Oh, I got to say this I one. know you do. They're rumpless. They are rumpless. Shake it rumpless, rumpless. They don't have a tail. They don't have actually a tailbone to support a tail. No, they're rumpless. I like to say rumpless, too. It's funny to look at them, and I totally get why people didn't think they were an actual chicken, because it's like the smooth, rounded butt. Oh, yeah. We'll say the real name, and then I'll tell you what I call them. They have ear tufts. They do. And I call them ear muffs because they look like ear muffs, but they come from their cheeks, basically. Yeah. It's actually by their ears. But it's like wild, like Albert Einstein. They're big. Kind they're of. not like that little, I mean, most chickens have just that little teeny flap of feather to cover oh, they're their long. ears. But these can be long and they can be a couple different shapes. Oh, yeah. According to the standard of perfection, corkscrew tufts are the preferred shape, but they'll accept anything as long as they are symmetrical. To me, they look like they don't belong there, to be honest with you. They just kind of stick. Yeah, they, they stick out kind of, to nothingness, yeah, but yeah. it gives them character. It's who they are. Well, again, I call me your muffs. The other thing to know is that the tufted ears are tied to a lethal gene. Yes, which we've talked about before. And that means that two copies of this gene in a chick will result in death. Right, embryo death in the shell, exactly. Not good. The other identifying thing about the arcana is the blue eggs. Right. They can All... be blue or green. Yeah, they can actually. All of the blue and green egg laying breeds have DNA from the arcana. That's where that came from. But there are distinct breed differences between the Arcana, Americana, yes, and Easter Eggers. Easter Egger, right. Let's go down the Arcana appearance, and then we'll revisit that real quick. Yeah. Okay, so the Arcana, we know have the ear tufts, ear muffs. Right. They're rumpless. Rumpless. They have a peak comb. Peak comb. They have a wide variety of colors. So then let's compare to the Americana, which the Americana has muffs and beard. Right. Arakana does not have a beard. Exactly. And Americana has a tail. Yes. Arakana does not have a tail. The other thing is Americanas are much more popular and much more saturated in the market of chickens than yes. Arakanas. And then there's the Easter Egger, which, which is, has picked up that blue or green egg-laying gene, but does not have the physical features of either the Arakana or the Americana. They could have muffs. They could have beards. They might have one or the other. Right. In the UK, this is a little muddy because they do accept beards and muffs in the Arcana category. In the US, two very distinct breeds. Yeah. And the minus of the tail is distinct. You have to not have a tail to be an Arcana. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a tail, you're not an Arcana. Right. You know, the beard, it's, yeah. it's Americana. It's all Americana, the way. right. Any picture you look up with the Arcana, you're not seeing a beard on this chicken. Oh, no. That's what makes those ear muffs tufts look so strange because there's no beard right, attached they stick to them. Out. They're very visible. They're very visible, very different. There are some misconceptions with these breeds. Somebody thinks they have an Americana and they might have an Arcana, but you really need to look up the traits. Right. I actually have heard of a couple of Americanas that were born rumpless. Like a recessive gene showing up. Okay. Although I don't know that rumpless is a recessive gene. I wouldn't think so. But it showed up somewhere along the line. And that's a possibility. But if you have a bird with a tail, it's not an Arcana. Beard, muffs, tail, Americana. Easter Egger is kind of a mix of the two. We talk about Easter Eggers back in episode 17. Yeah. A lot of information. So back to just the Arcana. So the size. They're a small-bodied chicken. So let's look at it. Males are about five pounds. Mm -hmm. Females are about four. They're kind of Mediterranean-sized. 
that's exactly what I was thinking of. They're Lucy size, yeah. basically the leghorn size. And they have that compact kind of body. Right. They're not going to have a lot of extra body weight. So they can deal with winter, but they're not great with winter. They prefer South American warmth. Yeah, I've read that they're not big winter layers. I mean, they can tolerate the cold weather. They don't like it. I get that. They don't have a lot of body weight. Right. Back to the colors they come in. So there are five accepted colors. Let's go ahead and name them. So we got black, white, black breasted red, and then golden and silver duck wing. And then there are a couple of non accepted colors that are gorgeous, like the lavender. There's a mottled and a cuckoo. Yeah. And some others. Those are just our favorites. You can get them in a wide variety of colors. Yeah. It's not going to be a chicken that you're going to go to your local feed store and see in there. No. And the breeding is probably a bit tricky because of that lethal gene. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing to look into. Here's what we know for sure. Americanas were imported into the U.S. in the 1920s and the U.K. in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. As we said earlier, the U.K., the breed standards include bearded and muffed birds as well. It wasn't until the 1960s that U.S. breeders started to work seriously on these bloodlines. Right. And they were accepted into the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1976. Okay. And they're actually found in the miscellaneous section of the all other standard breeds category. I kind of see that. Yeah. They don't really fit in any place. They don't fit in anywhere. Not so, easily anyway. Let's look at egg laying ability. Uh-huh. We're looking at about three eggs a week. 150 to 180 a year. I'm going to call that decent. I like that. Decent. That's the decent category. <laughs> We've been looking to see how they are with family and children, and we have found some mixed reviews. Mixed in the sense that they sometimes say that they're flighty. They all say they're gentle. Right. Some say they're friendlier than others. Some say they're, they're flighty. They're active. That's definitely it. They're good foragers and they're active. They're not mean or right. anything like that. They're just very active. And the flighty word did come up. I'm not sure I buy the flighty. Flighty is the Egyptian Fayumis. Like if I put my hand down, they both jump straight in the air. That's flighty. Yeah. They literally take flight. Yeah. And there was a lot of people preaching that they're very good with families. I think it's an individual. Like if you like a high energy bird, this might be one yeah. for you. An unusual bird. Uh -huh. There always is a big confusion when it comes to Americanas versus Aracanas. Yeah. So you really have to look into it and do your research because this bird is different than yes. the Americana, for sure. There is an Aracana Club of America. Good. They have super articles on there. They have a lot of detailed history of the breed on the website. They talk a little bit more about those two ancient breeds that mm -hmm. were combined to make the Aracana. They also have a technical explanation of the blue egg gene and the best theory of how that developed. Right. Which is quite scholarly, but fascinating if you want to figure it out. They also mentioned this, which I thought was worth noting. At one time, the tufted birds that were bred, the Arcanas, had a laughing crow. Cool. Yeah, but that was bred out of them for whatever reason. Why would somebody do that? I don't know. What we're looking at potentially that these birds are a couple thousand years old. And so there's no way for us to know the original breeding. We have those two older breeds. And again, check out the Arcana Club of America site for all of that. Right. When you're looking back to 500 BC. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So there's your Arcana. They are absolutely fascinating. This is just the tip of the iceberg. They're really cute. They're very cute with their rumplessness. And their tufts. If you have an Arcana and you'd love to share a picture with us, please do. Absolutely. Share it to our Instagram story or tag us. We would love to see it. Neither one of us have one. No. But we would love to see this chicken. We like them and we're big fans of Americanas. Yes. 
Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Are you looking for a vintage small farm feel for your egg packaging this year? Or are you looking to develop a unique brand image with custom packaging? The Egg Carton Store offers a wide variety of recyclable cartons, customizable stamps, poultry care products, and a robust customizing tool to design your own labels. Plus, they offer fast, free shipping on all cartons and labels. Visit eggcartonstore.com for all of your egg carton, label, stamp, and poultry care needs this spring. Now it's time to move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. We have done multiple things with the digestive tract of the chicken. Right. Lots of anatomy. Mm -hmm. Lots of anatomy. We've talked about the crop. We've talked about different things. But we're going to dissect it further and talk about the gizzard. The gizzard. The chicken gizzard. Because a chicken gizzard has a major function in the digestive tract of the chicken. Yeah. The chicken gizzard is, I'm quoting Dr. Rebecca here, it's a very simple but amazingly wonderful machine. It is. It's the third stop in the chicken's digestive tract. Obviously, food goes to the crop. Yep. From there, it's passed by muscle contractions into the proventriculus. Mm-hmm. Proventriculus is also known as the glandular stomach. That's where the digestive fluids and all the Break enzymes are secreted, right? It passes from there and into the ventriculus, also known as the gizzard. And the gizzard basically takes all the stuff that's left behind from what the enzymes didn't break down. And it says, let's get it out of here. They kind of take the place of teeth. Kind of. So when you're left with, say, your bird eats stones or little sticks, the gizzard is what deals with this. Right. Chickens and other birds are not the only one with gizzards. So again, if we're looking at them in place of teeth, Mm -hmm. a lot of the dinosaurs had them, of course. Right. But also alligators, crocodiles, certain fish, some mollusks, and some worms, including the earthworm. I did not know that. Right? I didn't either. This is how you learn something new every day. Yeah. The gizzard itself is basically a very strong, very tough bit of muscle. It's very simple. So your chickens will pick up grit and sand and tiny pebbles, and that helps the gizzard to do the grinding. It does. And that's why we advise that chicken keepers should always have commercial grit available at all times in your chicken run, especially right now. If you free range your chickens regularly and they have access to little pebbles, you're fine. Yes. But right now, if you're keeping your chickens in because of avian flu, right. you definitely want to make sure you have grit available. You can find it anywhere. Yeah. It basically, it's just ground up stone made into tiny little pebbles. Right. When your chickens are out, they're going to eat something that is not going to break down from enzymes. Yeah. That's most of the vegetation they eat. Yeah. We're in Northern Maryland, way far from Baltimore City. But right. in Baltimore City, they have the trash wheel. Have you seen the I've trash seen wheel? I've seen the trash wheel. It's in the Inner Harbor. It kind of reminds me of the gizzard. It kind of takes everything in and, yeah. Grinds it up and gets it out. Yeah. And it, somebody made this contraption to go into the Inner Harbor in Baltimore City uh-huh. that the trash filters through it and it filters it out and does what it's going to do. And the gizzard's at last stop before it comes out. Yeah. If you were to look at the chicken's gizzard, you would see a round hollow shape. Again, kind of like the trash wheel. The outside of the gizzard is this really tough layer of muscle. 
Well, the inside is lined with a type of keratin protein that's called coelin. Is that an actual gizzard that you have up there? <laughs> yeah, okay. we're looking at an actual yeah. gizzard right now. You can see the keratin protein fiber. You can see it and it's kind of all coated on the inside. Yeah, it's also quite tough and it protects the muscle tissue as well as withstanding the friction from the grit while grinding up the food. Yeah. And once the food is ground, it passes on to the duodenum, which is the start of the small intestine. They don't tend to have too many issues past the crop in the gizzard. Things like bacterial infections can occur. But once food has been ground up in the gizzard, it's highly digestible and usually passes right through. Needless to say, there can be some issues with the gizzard. As with any body part, you can have an issue. Like you said, bacterial infections are possible. And there are a couple of other things. But in general, your chicken, if it's going to have digestive problems, it's like crop proventriculus gizzard. It's not usually in their intestines. No, because by the time it gets to the intestines, it's way done. Exactly. Now, if your chicken is passing a lot of undigested food, you will want to check in with a veterinarian because that can indicate a lot of issues, including heavy metal poisoning. Yeah. One of the things that can go wrong is a gizzard can have an impaction. Yeah. Not fun. No, no, not at all. So its fibrous masses sometimes pass through the crop only to get stuck in the gizzard. And this is one of those things that you worry about. And I'll go back to Gertie. When Gertie had months and months of crop Uh issues. We did the first surgery. We're trying to get her through. The first vet said it's completely done. And then she's still not passing. Right. How many times did that pop up in our conversations? Is it a gizzard blockage? And then if that's a case, that is a very, very big problem. It is. That usually can't be fixed with surgery. My understanding is there are some circumstances where surgery is possible, but not always. It's not as straightforward as just the crop evacuation surgery. No. And you can't feel the gizzard, so it has to be diagnosed by x-ray and hope you can see what's in there. That is a wait-and-see game. Yeah. That is keep everything moving and be on poop watch. Now, with crop issues, you're also on poop watch. Exactly. Everything with the digestive tract, you're on poop watch. Yeah. But if you know that the crop is working, but somehow it's still not making it through, chances are you could have a gizzard impaction. Right. They're nowhere near as common as a crop impaction, but it is a possibility. It does happen, I wouldn't say frequently, but regularly, yeah. The other thing you see is hardware disease, and that is essentially zinc poisoning due to ingested nails, nuts, bolts, screws, or bits of wire. And sometimes you'll discover these things stuck in the gizzard, and they do show up on an x-ray. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. That's a foreign object. I look at this in dog and cat world big time because I have been a part of so many removing of foreign objects from somewhere in the digestive tract of a dog or a cat. Yeah. That is something that they just pick up. And that's why I'm so strict about the run. Like if anything falls down, that's not supposed to be in there. I'm picking it up because something like a nail or a screw, that could definitely get stuck in that gizzard area. Well, remember Dr. Rebecca's story about the lead shot? Yeah. Chickens are indiscriminate eaters. It'll go down the hatch. So like I said before, things stuck in the gizzard may require surgery. The surgery may or may not be possible. Right. And if they did eat something like this and it's been in their body for too long, they're going to need chelation therapy for heavy metal poisoning. Right. So that is calcium EDTA. It's generally used to bind the zinc and move it out of the chicken's body. It's injected into the breast muscle twice a day. The dose is based on weight and it's through prescription. So you'd have to get it from a vet. That's one reason why we always recommend with any digestive issues. The first stop is the vet. Yeah. The second place is the x-ray table. 
The third place is to draw blood for heavy metal poisoning. Yep. Because if something's going through, they could have picked up something they're not supposed to oh, along yeah. the way. Easily. X-ray's going to pick it up. And or if it's too small, blood work's going to pick it up. Right. In this case, it's so important because it can cause lasting issues. Metal shows up pretty well on an X-ray, doesn't it? Isn't it bright white on yes. an X-ray? Metal does show up. Okay. Very well. So if that's your issue, that should be pretty diagnosable. Other blockages? I don't know. Do fibrous masses show up on x-ray easily? Well, I look at it this way. How many x-rays Gertie had? Gertie had so many x-rays. And a lot of the stuff in there was fibrous plant matter or grass. Yep. And it just looks like stuff in there. Yeah, you can't really tell what it is. You can't tell exactly what it is. But if there was a foreign object in the gizzard, you would definitely see it if it were metal. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't think that something fibrous just from plant matter would get stuck there. I did a lot of reading with this because there's a surprisingly small amount of gizzard information out there, right? When you Google gizzards, you have to Google chicken gizzard it's and all get anatomies. It's all recipes. Really? Chicken gizzards are very popular food. It was a lot of recipes. <laughs> I was like, huh? Yeah. I read a couple of places where there was baling twine or hay string stuck in the gizzard. I could see that. And that's why you have to be really, really careful. With stuff. With stuff in the run. And I'm kind of one of these people that's over the top about it. If we drop a key or something and it's at night, I'm out there with a flashlight. So when my chickens first started showing up with the zinc poisoning, I was asked a couple times by Dr. Rebecca and by a couple of other staff members, is there any way you left metal in the runs that your chicken ate? Yeah. Well, then I had to tell them this story about my husband. (laughs) Pete has literally this great, big, powerful magnet. And if we drop anything, if we cut wire in a bit of the flies, he gets that magnet and goes through the grass until we find it. So I need to call Pete next time I drop something. Clearly, we are manic about not leaving things like this in our run. Exactly. I'm kind of that way. It's one of my pet peeves when it comes to the runs. And the girls, I drive nuts because I'm always like, look for it, look for it. We can't leave anything. A little cap. You think, oh, they're not going to eat that. But that's... Ha ha. Yeah, exactly. So you don't want to chance anything. And the gizzard, it's a very strong muscle. Yeah. So it's going to take something really tightly bound and balled up to really catch it in there. Because when you think about it, it's literally using the muscle and the grid inside of it to just pulverize everything. Exactly. And again, that's why there aren't that many digestive issues past the gizzard. Yeah. It gets ground up and passes through. Yeah. That's not staying in there. 12 to 15 times a day. It's a difficult thing because you can't see it. You can't feel feel it. it. Where the crop is right there. Now, we always say the crop is basically the stomach of the chicken, the first stomach. It's the first stomach, essentially. And it's stored inside the body. The doggy bag stomach. And you can feel it. So you know, you can visually see it. You can feel it. Right. And you can say there's a problem. The gizzard is way in. You're not going to be able to see it or feel it. So it has to be diagnosed via x-ray to see if there's anything stuck in there. Even though I've looked at the chicken anatomy, I don't know how many times over the past 20 years, I always had a mental picture that the chicken's gizzard was like right behind the crop. I know me too, but it's not. It's so low. It sits like above the liver. It's low. It's pretty well down in the middle of her abdomen, like between her legs almost. Yep, exactly. Which is why we're saying you can't really know. (laughs) When you feel that, you're going to feel the keel bone in the abdomen. That's just seriously interior. Yeah. (laughs) You know, generally, anything in the body can become infected. Right. So if you go to the doctor, maybe they see something on the x-ray, you're going to get some antibiotics. A gizzard is, a chicken can't be without a gizzard. Right. They need it. Right. It's a very important organ. And one that, again, it's not the easiest thing to find information on. 
So hopefully some of what we shared will be helpful in the future for your chickens. Exactly. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to message us. Okay. So I think we should move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And today we We are not talking about eating chicken gizzards. Heck no. We have a yummy apricot jam cake. Yay, for the spring. Really good. Uses a fair bit of your super egg supply for eggs on this cake. Because it's egg season. Yeah. Okay, so apricot jam cake. I love jam cakes. They're very Southern. They are. And you know how I feel about Southern baking. Southern baking. My grandmother was from North Carolina, came up here to the North and get a job in nursing when she was just 18. Uh Uh-huh. She was all about Southern baking my whole life. So I have a special place for it. My nice. Heart. A lot of jam. A lot of jam. So you either want a really big 16-ounce jar of apricot jam or you want two small 8-ounce jars. You want it to be jammy. You want it to be very jammy. And this is a big bunt cake. You ever make a bunt recipe and it fills up half the... Oh, yeah. I like big bunts and I do not uh-huh. lie. Yeah. So you want your jam. You want four eggs. I just have to go back to the bunt cake because that is my favorite type of cake to also make. Also very Southern. I know, like any kind of cake I make, I put it in a bun pan. Well, I love layer cakes and I love frosting. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about bun cake is you get all the delicious cake and you don't have all the extra calories from icing. And sometimes I do put icing on the very top. You can, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I like to melt drizzled chocolates. The bun cakes, they're just so pretty and they already have slices, basically. Pretty much. From the way they are, but yeah. So your four eggs, you're going to have a cup of buttermilk. You know we love those buttermilk cakes. Yes, we do. So if you're doing gluten and dairy-free, you can add a tablespoon of lemon juice or vinegar to a cup of almond milk or oat milk, anything like that. Let it sit for about 10 minutes to curdle. A cup of butter or dairy-free Earth Balance or one of the other dairy-free butters. And then, you know, the usual suspects, flour, sugar, vanilla, the spices. We like some cinnamon. I like cinnamon with this. A little bit of cloves. And then what I really love in there is cardamom. Oh, yeah. It's really aromatic and it goes really well with the apricots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some variations of the jam cake call for chopped pecans or chopped walnuts. I don't always put it in there. Anything I make, I'm going to put some chopped pecans or walnuts. Okay. I love a cake that has a little crunch. You like a lot of crunch anyway. Yeah. You like crunchy. I don't like my texture messed with too much. <laughs> You're like, don't mess with so, texture. Like, I feel like if there's pecans or walnuts in there, I may as well just gild the lily and throw all kinds of other stuff in there. So the good thing about this cake is you can make it in a pinch if you're in a hurry because you're just combining the ingredients, right. basically putting them in the bun pan. Yes. And then you can leave it as it. is. You can drizzle it with melted chocolate. You can ice it. Powdered can, sugar is exactly. my favorite. You sift some powdered sugar over it. And also Ella's favorite. She could just open up powdered sugar and pour it down her throat. That's what she does. So the other thing is the most important thing, remember when you're using a bun cake pan, is to really put some grease and flour. Yeah. Yeah. I use Crisco on a paper towel and get all in the crevices. You are so old fashioned, Baltimore. <laughs> My mom used to put the Crisco on wax paper. But I it use was the a same paper thing. Towel. Yeah. And then let it cool before you try. Uh-huh. Because if you don't, it's not going to be pretty. Oh, no, no. You've got to give it some time. You really got to let it cool on a wire rack so it gets yeah. all the way under the pan. If you turn it out when it's too hot, it's going to crack and fall apart. It will, and for sure. Just ruin your beautiful bunt cake. So that's our really, really, really delicious. But quick. But quick. Well, the longest time is the baking. It bakes for over an hour. Yeah. But you have like your friend coming over to drink some coffee and talk chickens and listen to Coffee with the Chicken Lady. So Is that a very broad hint? <laughs> 
Maybe Sophia wants you to make that cake soon. Sophia hasn't had the apricot cake. I made the blackberry <laughs> jam cake yeah. last year. Okay, so try the recipe. Send us pictures. We would love to see it. And now it's time for retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this week's retail therapy we found while, shall I say, goofing around looking at oh, the computer. Oh, man, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent on Etsy looking at this stuff. We go on Etsy and it's like all of a sudden it's two hours later. We've oohed and awed over everything, but we try to sometimes go on there to tell you where all the really cool chicken stuff is. Yeah, and we found some jewelry that we fell in love with. Some of you might know this already because this particular jewelry maker had a line with anthropology. So we're looking at Lenora Dane. Oh, yes. And I love anthropology. Let uh -huh. me just put that out there. One of my favorite places. Nah. -uh. Yeah. So she also has an Etsy shop where she sells her work. And let me tell you, it's like a rabbit hole. She's really well known for her dinosaur necklaces and earrings. Yeah. That was one of the things that made her famous. But she doesn't stop at dinosaurs. She goes to chickens. She has chickens. And she goes to flowers. And other barnyard critters because she has plenty of sheep earrings as well. And cats and dogs. Zebras. Anything that you can think bears. of. She has sunglasses. Her sunglasses are like bedazzled with pearls and little bees. And oh my goodness, they're so cute. So this is going to take me to a story from when I was little. After my mom's mom passed away, we went through my grandmother's jewelry. And she had all these jewelry boxes just full of costume jewelry. And as a 10-year-old, that was like heaven. Like oh, yeah. Going like through, a treasure trove. It was going through all this jewelry. Uh -huh. And back in the 50s, the charm bracelets were huge. Yes. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother had lots of them and all different kinds. So as a young girl, do you remember me always having charm bracelets yeah, usually, on? yeah. They were my grandmother's. So I've always had this inner fondness for anything that looks that way, uh -huh. and this looks that way. Okay. The bracelets yeah. are classic charm bracelets. Oh, they very much are, yeah. And I love dangly things on my wrist, uh -huh. and then you put chickens on it. I'm very partial to the chicken earrings and the necklaces. I love it all. Yeah. The necklace, it's basically five or six chickens with little egg beads all around <laughs> them, and then there's the bracelets that go with it. This is so unusual. It's a statement piece for sure. Now, these are extremely whimsical. I love them. These are resin figurines that she's used in the jewelry. You can just see the creativity in this and the thought that it takes to piece this together. Even the dinosaur stuff is cool. I like it because it's lighthearted and fun. Can you take yourself seriously if you have sheep tassel earrings hanging from your ears? Did you order those? I did not order those. But you're going to regret it. That doesn't mean I haven't been staring at them every day for way longer than I'd like to admit. There is so much stuff on this website. Yeah. It's just fun to take a mental little vacation from whatever you're doing and go to Etsy and go check out Lenora Dean. It's awesome. She has a very pretty pair of bunny earrings. So it's a bunny figurine with a cloisonne bead on the top and a pink tassel on the bottom. They're really, really cute. Alyssa is addicted to sea glass. Me too. She has a sea glass charm bracelet. That's yeah, I saw that beautiful. one. Uh -huh. The vintage matte charms. I like them. She has a lot of mid-century looking stuff. It really is bright and happy costume jewelry. Hair clips. Keychains. Pig tassel earring. Pig tassel earring? Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> That's really cute. There's at least eight to ten pages. Ooh, I like this big flower cuff bracelet. Of whimsical jewelry. You know what's happening right now? I'm no longer participating in this podcast. I'm shopping. I know. 
It's definitely worth a look. So you go to Etsy and you go to Lenora Dane and it all comes up. And let me tell you, it's definitely a little vacation while you're sitting there. These cat's eye sunglasses with the rhinestones and the flowers. So cute. She has the earrings with the leghorns. Yes. So cute. Beaded hanging earrings. And when we found chicken, we were like, oh, yes. We can definitely talk about this. And it's so you hit the nail on the head with whimsical. That's exactly what it is. If you like to have a statement piece, I like to wear black sometimes and just have a very colorful necklace on that says all the statement I need to say. (laughs) And this would be the perfect thing. Hint, hint to my children. Where else can you go to get a pair of pearl and dachshund earrings? (laughs) Exactly. A few weeks ago when we were looking at this. We sat here for an additional hour. Has it been a few weeks? Yeah. And just looked at this website (laughs) and looked at everything on here. It's amazing. Now, the price is mid-range. It's not too bad, but it's not also inexpensive. As we speak, there's a 50% off sale. Yeah. I don't know how long that's going to last. Remember these earrings, the Mr. and Mrs. Double Chicken earrings? Yeah. So that's a rooster and a hen and beads and tassels on these earrings. (laughs) I think my neck is too short for those earrings. I think my neck is definitely too short for those. That's a lot of chicken. I mean, if you want to really put yourself out there as a chicken lady, there you go. Yeah. No denying it. I'm also a fan of big brooches and things like that. I just think they're so fun. And just one little piece can make a statement. Right. Beads and sharks. Where can you go to get beads and sharks? I do love the shark here. Or pearls. Yeah. Sharks and pearls. I mean, you can't beat that. The farm necklace does have a chicken on it. And a sheep. Yes. That's the one for you, Holly. Yeah, I really like that one. So do yourself a favor. Go over to Lenora Dane on Etsy. Take a little 10-minute vacation sitting at your computer and just look at all this whimsical, beautiful jewelry. And if you get any, show us. We'd love to see it. Yes, we would. So, should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are spotlighting the very rare and absolutely gorgeous campaign chicken. Yes, we are. Our main topic is coccidiosis. Oh, we're keeping it serious again. Yeah. Cracking the eggs, easy huevos rancheros. Uh-huh. And Retail Therapy is the most adorable kid's book. The Little Regenerative Farmer that was sent to us by our friends at the Bluehorn Farm in Virginia. I love this book. This is the sweetest book ever. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next time? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.